There we go. It's good to see everyone again today. You've already heard that from me, though. Uh, so, I'm not Brad. We'll start with that. Uh, those those uh, handouts in, in your folders there, they're not going to do you much good today. Because <laughs> I am not going to be in the Gospel of John. Uh, we're going to be in uh, 2 Timothy. So, I, again, I apologize for this, but you're not going to... You're not going to have any of the uh, notes or anything on the uh, TVs up here. Um, Brad contacted me last night, and he said he wasn't feeling well, so uh, I am stepping in, and today we're going to be talking about, drumroll, God's faithfulness. Good call, Jeff. That's a good choice for the song this morning. Uh, so, how many of you in your lives have been let down by people? Um, I'm sure everybody... you. you Hands should be everywhere because everyone, every single one of us, every single day, we deal with uh, being let down by people that we love, people that we care about. Um, that can be our children, that can be our spouses, that can be our friends, our bosses. It may even be your pastors. It could be you know church leadership. It, it, I mean, we're let down all the time by those who are in leadership over us on a national level, on a local level. Um, so that's something that we've come to expect in life, right? Unfortunately, that's just the way that the world is. We, we are let down by those that we care about. Um, you know, some of us have friendships that kind of fizzle. I've had friends in my life. Some of them grew up right here at Oakwood. Uh, you know, we, we've grown up with the same truth. We've grown up, you know, building a bond through Christ, and eventually, either we just kind of drift apart or things are said that maybe aren't meant, or maybe, unfortunately, even they are, uh, things are said and relationships break down. Um, sometimes we confide things in people, right? And, and our trust is broken, and they share it with other people. And now we can't trust them anymore. Um, maybe you've got kids who have made promises, and uh, they don't follow through. I know this can be something as simple as, Mom, I promise I'll clean my room today. And then you don't do it. I'm guilty of that. Right, Dad? <laughs> uh, I'm sure all of our students, and I'm sure even all of the rest of you, we've, we've been there. We've let our parents down. Um, even in our relationships with our spouses, there's times where we let each other down. You know, uh, There's a lot of people in our world who experience uh, parents going through divorces. Um, you know, standing at the altar till death do us part. You know, they, they pledge that they're going to be faithful till the end through, through sickness and poor. No, sickness and health? Richard, it's been 10 years. I'm trying to remember all of it. Uh, sickness and health would make more sense. Richer or poor, sickness and health, right? But then suddenly they don't seem to care for each other anymore and they split up. Um, you know, a lot of times these kinds of things can, when, when we see how we interact with people in our daily lives, that kind of failure on the faithfulness between each other sometimes can bleed into how we view God, right? Um, and I know maybe, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but I've experienced this myself where, uh, you know, we have people in our lives who we trust, and they fail us, 
well, if they failed us, then God's going to fail me too. Maybe the cross isn't efficient. Maybe God's promises aren't good because I've been, you know, people have failed me everywhere else in my life, so how can I trust that God's not going to do the same? Um, don't worry, we're going to break that down. <laughs> It'd be terrible if I ended there, wouldn't it? Uh, so we have stories throughout the Bible that talk about God's faithfulness. Um, we also have stories throughout the Bible that talk about the unfaithfulness that comes from those within the lives of the people in Scripture, right? Uh, I, you know, the first thing I think of is David and his relationship with Saul. David comes really to the rescue when he slays Goliath uh, and comes into Saul's court, and next thing you know, I can't do the sound effect that Brad does with the spear, but, you know, he's throwing spears at David. And David, this is somebody that he trusted. He saw kind of as a father figure in his life, and he's being chased down and hunted through the wilderness for, for years. Um, uh, I think of the story of Rachel in Genesis 29. Uh, we have, you know, she's a shepherdess, and she comes to the well, and there's Jacob, this handsome, strapping young lad. And uh, he... He goes and works for Laban for seven years, and then Laban, unfortunately, deceives Jacob and gives him Leah instead of Rachel. Rachel, you know, I'm sure, we always think of this from jo or Jacob's perspective, but think of it from Rachel's. This is the man that she loves, and she's like, okay, seven more years, seven years, and, and I get my husband. This is going to be great. Five more years, five more years, and I get to be with my husband for the rest of my life. This is going to be fantastic. Two more years, I can't wait. Tomorrow, it's going to be awesome. I get to finally be with my husband. And then your dad gives your, who you were hoping to be your husband, your sister. That's, that's a betrayal. That's a failure on the faithfulness of somebody. Your parents, are, they should really be the number one most faithful people in your lives. And her dad fails her. And then later on, we see Jacob. He doesn't do so hot either with that whole relationship. And then we see this whole rivalry between Leah and Rachel, the two sisters, with who can bear the most children. You have to understand, culturally, for Israel, children, that's the biggest blessing you can have, right? I mean, what was one of the first commands that God gave Adam and Eve? Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. That's a huge blessing from God, and, and Rachel's barren, um, God is faithful, and he eventually opens her womb, and she's able to have kids. It's fantastic. But uh, Leah can just be pretty nasty to her sister, and vice versa. You know, but these, these are sisters. This is your sibling. This is somebody who you grow up with, and you should be able to have trust in. You should be able to put your faith in these people who you spend the most time with through your childhood up through adulthood. And we don't see that in this instance. But again, God is faithful. Uh, today we're going to look at... Um, we're going to be in 2 Timothy a little bit towards the end, so bear with me. Uh, I, I wanted to jump around a little bit today so we can look at different instances where God has proven his faithfulness. Uh, but before we do that, let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for the opportunity that I have this morning to share your word uh, with our family here. Father, I pray that you would use me in a way to touch the hearts of these people. Lord, I pray that you would be speaking through me that it wouldn't be me, but it would be you. Lord, you have been so unbelievably faithful in my life, and I know for a fact that you have been faithful in the lives of all of these people here today. Um, so we want to take a look and, and see how you've done that. 
First, we want to thank you that you've been faithful. Thank you that you have seen fit to just wake us up this morning, something that we can take for granted. You didn't have to do that for us, but you did. Thank you that we have a church family that we can come to uh, and, and spend time in fellowship this morning, spend time together. That's what this is all about, is, is growing together in Christ. So thank you that you've allowed us to do that. Uh, Father, be with us as we dig into your word this morning. I say things in your name. Amen. All right, so as I mentioned, we have... First, let me start with um, a couple of years ago. I actually, I actually mentioned this two weeks ago when I preached. But we, we did this uh, study on God's faithfulness on the bike trip two years ago um, where we had our student leaders, uh, Ellie here and Emily here and Tim, who's somewhere. He's probably at college. Um, we had them, they came together and we talked and we decided to, to do a study on God's faithfulness and, and how God has proven his faithfulness throughout the Bible in their, and in each of their own lives. And it was really cool. It was actually probably one of the, I've, I've never been more proud of you guys. Seriously, it was awesome. You guys did fantastic. Um, and, and Tim and Ben, wherever, wherever they are this morning. I'm proud of you guys too out there. Uh, but we, we did this study on God's faithfulness. And um, I kind of adapted this from that study, but uh, it was really cool to see the students really dive in and, and grab hold of God's word and then present it in an awesome way to the rest of the students so that they can see um, studying God's word is not, it's not as difficult as maybe we think when we're kids. You know, these, these young people can do it, so we can all do it. Uh, so this is, this is actually my study. I... It's only three pages, but it, I think that it was a good time. I think that the students learned a lot. You know, teenagers, they go through times. It, it can be difficult. Um, I mentioned friends, backstabbing friends. That's something that I'm seeing more and more in our world today. There's, there's people not, not being loyal to their friends, people not being faithful to their friends. I see it in relationships, especially when I was a young kid going through high school, um, boyfriends and girlfriends and who's with who and who's cheating on who with who and all this stuff. It's a mess. Um, so doing this study, I think, was incredibly helpful for all of our kids. And I think it's going to be incredibly helpful for you because more often than not in our lives, we fall on really difficult times, right? Um, you know, I've mentioned this, I think, just about every time I've, I've had the opportunity to, to share God's word from up here. But um, with my own son, you know, we... God was faithful and brought about healing. Um, I see this in, in pretty much everywhere in my family. God is faithful to bring healing to relationships. God is faithful to bring healing to marriages. God is faithful to bring healing to children, to those that we love in our lives. Uh, those are things that he promises us. So there are a lot of passages in the Bible that talk about God's faithfulness, and today we're going to look at some of those. I also have some real-life examples that I can share with you guys. It always makes it a little bit easier to understand when you can see it in real life, right? So, how many of you, you can raise your hand if you want, how many of you have read through the Bible and seen instances where God makes a promise? Good. That's everybody. That's the right answer. Good job. Uh, how many of you have read further in the Bible and seen God's, God's promises not come through? Also, the correct answer, that doesn't happen. 
God is faithful to answer his promises. Now, there's an interesting piece to this, and we'll, we'll, we'll dig in a little deeper, but God is faithful to hold his promises true, whether that's in blessing. So, for instance, Abraham, right? We just went through Genesis with Brad. Actually, I, I say just. That was about a year ago now. Uh, but we went through Genesis with Brad, and we broke down this whole the covenant between Abraham and between God, where God, you know, promises the, the land, uh, progeny, people, and blessings. And what do we see? We see that happening. You know, your, your offspring will be the number of the stars in the sky and the sand on the shores. And that's true. I mean, there are billions and billions and billions of, of Israelite people who have come to pass, you know, on this planet. Uh, so God kept his word. Um, uh, we see the same with Jacob. We see the same with Isaac before him. And then we see the same with the Israelites, right? God promises he's going to bless them, you know. But he also promises that if you don't follow me, you will be cursed. God keeps those promises as well, as, as we've learned. You know, there have been times, I mentioned this a while back, but there have been times in my life where I have wandered and I have gone through difficult times because I was not following God with my life. Um, there are so many instances within the Bible where that exact thing happens. A little later, we're going to dive into a little bit of the book of Hosea, where we see uh, this relationship that God created, made to mirror his relationship with his people. And throughout the book, we see God blessing Israel and then God cursing Israel. Uh, when, the, when the nation of Israel split into the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel, we see uh, eventually, you know, we've, we've got two separate kingdoms. One, the northern kingdom, Judah. Uh, sorry, Israel never has a good king. The southern kingdom of Judah always, well, on and off. They, they kind of go back and forth between good and bad kings. But because they don't follow God with their whole hearts, what does God do? They're exiled. The Assyrian Empire takes over uh, the northern kingdom, and the Babylonian Empire takes over the southern kingdom. And they're taken off to captivity. And that's where we see all of these prophets pop up, try begging the people to come back to God so that they can then live under the blessings that God has provided for them that they're just ignoring. Uh, so we're going to go through, uh, like I mentioned, we're going to go through a whole bunch of different verses that talk about God being faithful. Um, Deuteronomy 9.9 think is one of the most beautiful. Uh, again, I, I really do apologize. You're going to be going all over in your Bibles, but that's okay. Uh, Deuteronomy 9.9, know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love <clears throat> with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. So if I follow Christ with my life and I teach my children to follow Christ with their lives, and as long as that pattern continues, God is going to bless us because we've chosen to follow him over following our own sinful desires that we have in our lives. <clears throat> that You're going to notice a pattern, by the way. Um, God will bless you if. I mentioned that a few weeks ago. God will bless you if you're following him. God will curse you if you're not following him, right? This is another pattern that we see throughout the Bible. The Israelites, they leave Egypt, and they're like, oh, this is great. Wait a minute. There's no food. We're wandering the desert. It's been a really long time. 
I wish we could have just died in Egypt instead of you bringing us out into the wilderness to die out here. And what does God do? Well, God brings about um, the snakes that bite him, and then he raises up you know, the bronze snake for the healing. So there's the curse, and there's the blessing back to back. And that actually mirrors Christ, right? We are fallen people. We choose our sinful ways, but God has provided a way of redemption through raising Christ up on the cross. Um, Isaiah 47.7, Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nation, the kingdom of rulers. Kings shall see and arise, princes, and they shall prostrate, them, prostrate themselves. Because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. The Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. I think that's something that we don't think of very much, right? God has chosen each and every one of you to be here today. God has chosen, you're not here for no reason, by the way. God orchestrated all of this. Everything that's going on today is because God chose it to be this way. That's just the, the, that's a small picture of the, the power that God has. Nothing happens without his knowledge. Nothing happens without his okay. Um, each and every one of you, God has chosen to be his people. Every one of you. Don't take that for granted. Uh, you know, we, we, we talk about, you know, some of our students um, that I've, I've run into throughout the last few years, and even before that, even when I was a kid, something that we all struggle with is, is this whole self-esteem thing where I'm not good enough, nobody wants me. God, God wants you. That, that should be all of the esteem that you need is, is the esteem that Christ has in you. Christ has chosen you. Christ has set you apart. Christ has set you aside to be one of his people. You need to cling on to that. You need to hold to that because that's the ultimate truth. No one will love you like Christ loves you. So you need to hold on to that. Um, 1 Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 Corinthians 10.13, this is one of those verses uh, any of you who have gone through the Gallers class will know this one pretty much by heart. This is the only one I remember. I apologize, guys, but... <laughs> 1 Corinthians 10.13 talks about temptation. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. God is faithful, and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability, but with that temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God is faithful in providing a way of escape in those situations. You don't have to succumb to sin. God will provide a way of escape. The question is, will you take it, right? 1 Thessalonians, uh, oh, I didn't write it all down. It's in 1 Thessalonians, though. Uh, he who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. Again, we see it time and time again throughout the Bible. God says something will happen, and that something happens. God promises blessing, blessing happens. God promises curses, curses happen. These are, this, is, this is God we're dealing with. He's immutable. He doesn't change, Right? Uh, we were talking just a few weeks ago about, about the name, the covenant name of God, Yahweh. <clears throat> um, sorry, there's a bug on my Bible. Okay, it's gone now. Uh, that's, that's translated to I am who I am, but it actually is, it actually, the real, the real actual translation is I am who I will be. What is Now, if you break that down, that means that God was then who he is always going to be which then, right then and there, tells us that God is immutable. You know, we see all these people in the world today who are saying, yeah, that's what the Bible says, but that was 2,000 years ago. 
things have changed. God hasn't. So if God hasn't changed and these are the things that God has said, then these things haven't changed. These are still, this is still objective truth. And we have to hold to it because it's what God has said. God is faithful to be immutable. God is faithful to not turn his back on you. Uh, Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope, our hope in Christ Jesus without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. 1 John 1.8 says, If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, that's one I'm really going to cling to, right? The, the promise of salvation through Christ, the promise of redemption through putting my faith in Christ. I'm going to cling to that till my dying breath. And I know each and every one of you will as well. Uh, God has promised forgiveness for our sins. You just have to put your faith in Christ. Understand that he put himself in your place so that you don't have to suffer like he did. Just believe that. Just believe that and you're saved. You will have eternal life with him at God's side for eternity just by putting your faith in Christ. That's what it's all about. That's why we're here today. It's so that we can, we can learn that from the Bible and so that what, what are we doing tonight? I mentioned it during the ministry opportunities. Tonight's our opportunity to reach out into the community and share these truths with these kids and their parents. There, there may be a chance that they wouldn't have any other access to the truth other than them coming tonight. So let's not squander this opportunity. Let's all show up and let's love on them. Let's care for them. Let's share the gospel with them. Uh, that brings us to 2 Timothy 2, 11 through 13. The saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we also will reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. Again, there's that little curse piece that I mentioned earlier. If you deny God, right, we read this in Matthew. If you, deny, if you denied me among men, I will deny you to the Father. That's what Jesus says. Um, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So uh, let's take a minute and, and look at the circumstances where this is of, of what's being said here. So we've got Timothy. Um, he's a pastoral protege. Uh, he's, he, he's really a second Timothy person. Those are two of my favorite books. But um, we have Timothy, whose spiritual father, that's really, what, that's really what Paul is to him. His spiritual father is in prison. He's in Rome. He's, he's probably days, maybe weeks away from being put to death. And so this would be like Brad for myself. If Brad is in prison for his faith, for sharing the word of God, uh, which thankfully we have a, a Brad who does that here, right? Um, he's always going to do that. Uh, but he gets arrested and he's put to jail. He's put in jail and he starts, you know, writing us letters saying, hey guys, don't worry too much about me. You know, I, I followed Christ. If, if I'm put to death, I'll be with him. It's okay. Me, from my, you know, finite perspective, I'm freaking out over here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, this is my spiritual father, and, and this is my mentor, and he's in, in jail because he shared his faith. He's in jail. He's about to be put to death. I'm probably not holding it together very well, and Timothy's probably not holding it together very well. But Paul understands God's faithfulness. Paul understands God's promises that he's, he's said. Um, 
if we endure, we will also reign with him. So if Paul endures through these trials of being imprisoned in Rome, of being put to death eventually, if Paul does not deny Christ, but if Paul endures with Christ, what's there to be afraid of? I mentioned this exact thing two weeks ago. If, if I have my faith in Christ, what am I afraid of when it comes to sharing it? That they'll kill me? Okay. I, I get to be next to Christ for eternity if I'm put to death for my faith. If I'm put to death for sharing my faith with people, I've got nothing to be afraid of. Sure, life's great down here, but just wait, guys. It gets better. <laughs> uh, so Paul responds to Timothy by saying that the saying is trustworthy. This kind of gives us the idea of, of uh, maybe they had a song that they would sing about, about this. Maybe it was a saying that they'd just say around ancient Israel um, that if we died with him, we'll also live with him. If we endure, we'll also reign with him. And if we deny him, he will deny us. If we're faithless, he remains faithful. That's, I think that's the most beautiful part of this whole thing. If we are faithless, God will remain faithful. Uh, I know there are times in our lives where we question things. I've, I, it's happened to me um, where I question, you know, did God really mean this when he said this? Does, does God really hold to what he says? Or is he going to fail me like everybody else has failed me in my life? And I think that as we look through the Bible, when we, when we see these different occasions, when God makes a promise and, and it happens, I mean, think of the prophecies about the Messiah. I, I don't remember the exact number, but I, I believe it's pushing 100 different prophecies in the Old Testament that talk about the Messiah. And the odds of even one of those coming true are very, very, very small. And 100% of them came true because God is faithful. It's against his nature to not be faithful. To not be faithful is to lie, and to lie is sinning, and God doesn't sin, so that doesn't work out, right? Um, so there are times in our lives where we, we question things. But God is still faithful. God's blessings still happen. God's promises still happen. Paul's not afraid because he knows that God is faithful. Paul's telling Timothy here that we need to endure because in the end, we are going to be at God's side. Even when we're faithless, we're promised that God will remain faithful. So Paul's telling Timothy there's nothing to be afraid of, right? Again, you, think, you, gotta, you gotta think of the context. You gotta think of the situation that's going on. This would be like the person who has taught you everything that you know in your life Maybe it's your parents, maybe it's your mom, maybe it's your dad, maybe it's your pastor, maybe it's your best friend. They've been imprisoned and they're about to be put to death. You're not holding it together. I guarantee that, that you're not going to be holding it together. But Paul tells Timothy there's nothing to worry about. He's going to be with us, right? God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Christ says, uh, you know, during the Great Commission, go forth, make disciples, baptize. I will be with you till the end of the age. I will be with you till the end of the day. These are truths that you can hang your hat on because God is the one who's saying them. <clears throat> uh, this whole faithful, faithless thing brings to mind the, the book of Hosea. As I mentioned earlier, we're gonna, we were going to jump into that a little. So how many of you are familiar with the book of Hosea? Hosea is a prophet. God chooses him to be his prophet, and God tells him, hey, you're going to marry a prostitute. 
from my perspective, that's like, eh, are you sure? That doesn't sound like a good idea. Um, but you told me to, so I'm going to do it. So he, he does it. He marries Gomer, which uh, anyone looking for a name for your daughter, there it is. <laughs> Gomer. It's a good one. Sounds kind of like a Pokemon, actually. Uh, so Gomer, the prostitute. So they, you, you, have this, you have this reflection of our relationship with God in Gomer and Hosea. Hosea is called to go and to marry this unfaithful woman. They have kids. Uh, if, if you, there's other, there's other uh, names for kids in that book. Um, if, you're, if you're looking for baby names here, let me give you, other than Gomer, let me give you a list. Um, no Mercy, uh, Not My People, there's another one. Um, anyway, you can see God, God's heart here, right? He's not very thrilled that, uh, that his people, Israel, are wandering, much like Gomer is wandering, right? So, so eventually in, in uh, Hosea chapter 3, God instructs Hosea to go and to purchase his wife. So essentially what's going on here is a slave auction. His wife's up. No one wants her. Um, she's a prostitute. No one wants her. He comes in, and uh, it doesn't take much to make the purchase. God's actual words are, give me one second, go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love Cakes and raisins. No cakes and raisins. Uh, so, again, this gives us a perfect image of what it is like for each and every one of us here in this room today. Not just in this room, but each and every person on this planet. You are going to seek after your own desires, right? We are sinful by nature. We are fallen beings. You're going to seek after your own desires. But when we have this image of this marriage, this this unfaithful woman who is constantly selling herself to other men and Hosea in his gracious way goes to her, purchases her and takes her back as his wife and continues to love her. That's what God does to each and every one of us. That purchase that Hosea makes to purchase Gomer back in our lives, in our relationship with God, that purchase is Christ's blood, right? We have been bought at the highest cost that there has ever been, the only righteous man to ever walk this planet, the Son of God himself, died so that you can be in a right relationship with God. There's no other way. God is perfect. We are sinful. Those two things, they don't, they don't mesh. The only thing that can bring us close together is that sacrifice that Christ made so that then you can put on Christ's righteousness and be in a relationship with God. That's the only way that it works. And that only happens through God's faithfulness. He promised a redeemer back in Genesis thousands and thousands of years ago. And then it happened because God is faithful. So as I mentioned, there are going to be times in your lives, there are going to be instances where you are betrayed, where you are questioning whether God can stick to his guns, whether God can hold true to his word. And I just want to remind you that there's never been an instance in your life or in anybody's where God hasn't followed through. You can count on him. Um, 
students, kids, I'm going to fail you guys. I'm really sorry. Sky, I'm going to fail you. Dad, I'm going to fail you. Everybody here, I'm going to fail you. Um, your parents are going to fail you. Your kids are going to fail you. Your spouses are going to fail you. God's never going to fail you. That's a promise from him. He is faithful, so believe it. All right, let's pray, and then I'm going to have Jeff come up. Uh, Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for being our Father who just doesn't turn, our, turn your back on us. Uh, thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring for us. Thank you for choosing us. Most importantly, Father, thank you for seeing fit to send your Son to live a perfect life on this earth, to take the punishment for the sins that each and every one of us deserves. Lord, I pray that we would remember that and that we would share it with every single person we come into contact with. And Lord, as we move forward tonight, I pray that everybody in this room would come with a heart to share the gospel, to share the awesomeness of your love for us with people that, that may not have access otherwise. So Lord, thank you again. I see things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Well, and uh, <clears throat> what better way to uh, respond to uh, the message of God's faithfulness to us than um, to uh, respond in faithfulness to God in his call to uh, participate in um, the ordinance of uh, communion and um, join together in, in worshiping him through uh, this Remembrance. My Bible is too heavy for my music stand. I'm going to borrow this table. All right. I didn't bring my little Bible, so I had to bring the big one. Uh, so we're going to respond uh, in faithfulness and participation in uh, communion together. Uh, today. Since uh, we're starting the missions conference next week, we decided it would be best to move communion to uh, this week instead of the first week of November, uh, like we would normally do the first week of the month. And um, uh, so uh, just a reminder that um, if you are gluten-free, we do have some gluten-free communion packets out in uh, the foyer, and um, you're welcome to go grab one of those at, at this point. Um, if you'd like. But here at Oakwood Bible Church, uh, we have an open uh, communion table. And what that means is uh, you don't have to be a member at Oakwood Bible Church in order to participate. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are welcome to participate in uh, communion with us uh, together today, and, and we hope that you do. Um, uh, the, the elements uh, that we uh, partake, that we um, uh, use in, in order to remember uh, the Lord or the bread, which represents his, his body that was broken for us, uh, the cup uh, with the juice uh, that represents his blood spilled for us. Now, today is Family Sunday, and again, we normally do communion on the first week of the month, and we normally do Family Sunday on the last week of the month, and so we don't normally have the children uh, participate with us um, in communion, but it's really uh, cool that we have uh, the kids with us uh, today to be able to uh, witness this, to, to recognize our faithfulness as we uh, join together in doing this. Uh, but we would say that um, uh, as far as the children are concerned, we would ask that um, uh, 
that you would teach your children and, and help them to understand um, what the sacraments of, uh, of communion mean um, before uh, they come to participate. We, we do the same thing with baptism. We, um, we want to teach the, the kids what it really means to be baptized, what it represents, uh, what they are doing and participating in when they do that. And, um, and so we ask the same for communion as well. So if, uh, if your young kids don't uh, really fully understand what communion is at, at this time, um, just allow the, the, the bread and the cup to, to pass them by, but allow your participation to be a witness to them um, for how we can respond to the Lord in faithfulness as well. So the admonition to communion, the Apostle Paul in his first letter to the Corinthians issues this admonition to all who consider partaking in the bread and the cup. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven through 29, he says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Now there are two potential concerns in Paul's warning to the church here. Uh, the first one is partaking in an unworthy manner. Perhaps you have professed Christ as your Savior in the past, but are currently living in outright sinful rebellion against him. If this is the case, we would, ex we would encourage you to examine your heart before God before participating in something that you are holding in contempt with how you are living right now. If you're not willing to make things right with him in this moment, if you're not willing to repent and turn from that sinful life, then we would encourage you to let the elements pass until such a time that you have made things right with God in your heart. But even better than letting the elements pass by you and waiting would be to make things right with God right now through confession, repentance, and commitment, and freely join with us. The second concern is this, partaking as an unbeliever. Perhaps you have never given your life to Christ. If this is the case, we would encourage you to let the elements pass as a witness to you. If you haven't given your life to Christ, we don't want to ask you to participate in something that you don't even believe in through hypocrisy. But again, even better would be for you to turn away from the direction that you've been going in your life and turn to Christ in faith for your salvation right now in this very moment. Receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Invite him into your life in your heart right now and don't wait a moment longer and then please freely join with us in remembrance. Now, as the elements of the bread and the cup are passed, uh, please note that both elements are contained in two cups stacked together. Like this. And uh, as we uh, prepare to partake of the bread and the cup together, please hold both elements as you are served, and then we will then thank the Lord for the bread and the cup separately. Uh, but at this time, I would like to invite the elders and the deacons uh, to come forward to serve as they come. Uh, please take this time of preparation to be in prayer, examining your own heart before God, seeking his forgiveness and deliverance, renewing your commitment to him, and remembering with thanksgiving his sacrifice for you on the cross as he paid your penalty for all of your sins once and for all. Amen to that. Would you please play, pray aloud with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread 
and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As Paul has written to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I've asked Elder John Ruza to pray for the bread, which was broken for us. bread, which symbolizes the body of Christ, who was scourged, beaten, and ultimately went to the cross as a sacrifice for all of our sins. He was the perfect, sinless sacrifice that was required. Uh, Peter said, for Christ died once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Thank you, Father, for this indescribable gift. And for his sake we pray. Amen. Amen. Please take and eat. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I've asked Elder Gary Cortman to pray for the cup which was poured out for us. Amen. Please take and drink. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Please stand and pray with me together this morning. Dear Father, we are so blessed to come together today in unity as a body of believers to serve you, to serve your people. Lord, this is a wonderful blessing for us to be able to do. We thank you for allowing us to do this. We thank you for bringing us here to do this. And we know, Lord, that through your sovereign will that none of us are here by accident or uh, just uh, because we are obligated to uh, come here and uh, because that's what we've always done or to fill time on a Sunday morning. But Lord, you have brought us here for a specific reason. And so Lord, open up our hearts and our minds uh, and our spirits to what you have taught us this morning. Lord, work in us and help us to uh, take uh, the word that Pastor Nick brought, to take our time of worship and prayer together. And Lord, help us to understand what it means to know you more and to love you more today. And so Lord, as we uh, go about the rest of our day, may uh, we go uh, safely um, traveling on the road, uh, but may we also take uh, these things 
and uh, use them for uh, your glory and for your glory alone. We thank you, Lord, for everything that you've given to us. We love you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. You are dismissed. Thank you very much.